This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chiniki. We acknowledge the Satina, who are Dene, and the Métis, Inuit, status and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. Welcome to the Dave Leary Show. Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast, brought to you by Freedom's Path Recovery Society in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Thank you for tuning in. Please remember that these opinions that are shared are those of the individuals and not of any agency, organization, or other entity, unless otherwise specified. Also, if you're a minor, please check with your parent and or guardian as you need to have permission to listen to these podcasts. We will potentially talk about violent subject matter, sexual content, and difficulties human beings face on their day-to-day lives in recovery. So tonight's guest is Jessica. And is it okay if I say your last name, Jessica? Jessica McMahon? Um, and I, I gotta tell you, I'm not even gonna say much about, about you because I don't know much about you, only what I've seen like through social media. And of course, we all know that that's not a guarantee to get to know somebody <laughs> that way. So thank you for coming, Jessica. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here. Right on. Do you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? <laughs> tell us if you want to share your story, uh, like what, what it was like when you were young growing up in Alberta, you're from Alberta? Yeah, okay. I was adopted out in Alberta. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> this is so weird. <laughs> and you can... I've only done one other podcast before. No? Once. Oh, one, once. Many years ago. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Still... You have more experience than I do then. Yeah. Well, Strange. when I started. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's okay-ish, yeah. I guess. Um, I was adopted out from birth. Um, but not legally adopted for about a year and a half, which I really? just recently found out. Um, How did they manage that? I think it was a permanent guardianship mm. order before the legal adoption went through. Oh, okay. Um, there's a lot of redaction on my documents, so I don't actually really know what happened. And pieces <sighs> are slowly being revealed. Yeah. It was through um, uh, um, child, child welfare, yeah, I'm Christian guessing? Christian Adoption Services. Oh, Jesus. So, Christian Adoption Services. <laughs> yeah. So they're well known now for um, their adoption situations during the 60s scoop. So I'm yeah. I'm in the later end of the 60s scoop in okay. 1987. So it's still considered part of the, the 60s scoop until 1991. Yeah, right. When it moved over to the foster care system mostly and they stopped doing adoptions into non-indigenous families Mm -hmm. well they still do but officially air quotes Uh, they sure do still do it (laughs) yeah so that was um i grew up here in this area actually of calgary and mount pleasant oh so Um, like literally right around here yeah yeah (laughs) cool i've had flute recitals in this building oh have um, you as a kid yeah Yeah. (laughs) so it's it's part of this area Mm -hmm. that you know my where I've grown up it's very much my home area and my parents are third and fourth generation 
Ukrainian um, on my mom's side and Norwegian Irish on my dad's side. Okay. And they're all from Saskatchewan. So their family's all settled in Saskatchewan. Oh, okay. In the same area that my birth family is from. Oh, really? So Capel Valley area up to, I think it's Nordic, Nordic? That doesn't sound right. Norquay? It's a border town, mm -hmm. a Ukrainian border town oh, okay. in Saskatchewan, Manitoba. So that's where my mom's family settled um, when my great grandma came over from the Ukraine. So she, that's where they're from. My dad's from Watrous, Saskatchewan. Mm -hmm. Go Saskatchewan! <laughs> and they moved Both out my parents here. are from there. <laughs> yeah, so my, <laughs> they moved out here to get away from Saskatchewan. Mm -hmm. um, and they love the mountains. So I was raised by them in the Lutheran church, um, which is, there's one just over here. Mm -hmm. Um, which is where I was raised in. And then my grandma's, my grandma is also part of the Alliance Church. So that's sort of what I was raised in. Okay. This, um, so that's like a mixture. Very conservative. Yeah. I was going to say a mixture of like conservative evangelical stuff. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. When I was a kid, I really wanted to go on missions. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> which now as I'm older, I'm like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> I couldn't even imagine. I yeah. would have been the tool, the tool <laughs> going into some of these places that would have been yeah that they would have just used you right <laughs> yeah oh, yeah oh and i think they are they did actually yeah but. <laughs> well I, I wasn't gonna assume that but i'll let you speak for that yeah yeah, yeah. so i grew up in that my family is pretty racist as i get older i'm realizing mm. um how racist they really are i knew that but i didn't really know that because i was i wasn't like native to them right so yeah. i was a pretty racist little kid i guess <laughs> so, so as you were growing up then if i if you don't mind how did oh, yeah, that how did that feel to you even though you felt like you were there like you weren't indigenous did you feel like you weren't indigenous or um i didn't really feel that i was indigenous or indian back mm -hmm. then and like i knew i was because there was they sort of said it sometimes or mm -hmm. like they gave me a papoose doll but it wasn't really like ingrained and i think it's because of the adoption guidelines back mm -hmm. then where they had manuals on how to raise the Indian child oh, without Jesus. their culture and stuff, which I actually found a picture of one, which was really interesting. I know my parents had them, but they will never tell me the yeah. truth. Um, a lot of this stuff came out a few years ago when I started working on a project for Urban Shaman. So mm -hmm. I was commissioned to create a performance piece about being adopted, yeah. which is like a big topic. <laughs> but they yeah. had an exhibition called... The space in between or in between something like that and it was about the 60s scoop and yeah. so all the artists were adopted during that time so you had tasha hubbard she had a film in the show she's a, a cree adopted uh filmmaker she worked mm -hmm. on the colton bushy uh documentary that yeah. came out we will stand up you had um you had billy joel green who was playing his blues that night we had um there is a 60 Scoop Collective from Ontario that came out to share the uh, mm -hmm. project called The Adoption Files, okay. which is where I met my really good friend, Beverly McIver. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, and so they did, a, they did some plays about themselves being adopted and working through that. And yeah. so then I had my piece where I interviewed my family. And the only thing they had to adhere to was telling the truth. And the absolute truth. And there couldn't, like, I didn't want them to pretend or to lie. Yeah. And so it was really interesting what came out of that because my grandma, being how Christian she is, could not lie. So she, so it was she told the truth of so many things mm -hmm. in her own 
way and a lot of things came out and I used their voices to put into an immersive soundscape where I performed and the audience sat inside. Wow. Whereas my mom and dad were getting into a lot of arguments because my dad was telling the truth and my mom would be like, that's not how it is. That's mm. not how it was. Yeah. So it, so a lot of this information came out and I've been sitting with it for a while. Mm. I haven't redone the piece. I haven't looked yeah. at the piece because I can't go into the 36 hours of interviews that I did with them and listen to all that yeah. stuff again because some of it was pretty, some of it was pretty rank. Was it? In, you know, like, oh, Jess, you're like the Irish. You're completely assimilated. You're just not, you're not oh. Indian. So it's, you know, it's interesting to see how, I perceived that I was raised with that project. A lot of the truth came out and I actually was right in my mind. I wasn't, <laughs> yeah. you know, questioning myself because they actually told the truth for once, yeah. some of them. <laughs> well, that must have been refreshing though. Yeah, it was refreshing. It was validating. And painful and, probably. Yeah, and I th a lot of other things came up, especially mm -hmm. my mom's racism, which I don't think she meant to have it come out. But I'm sure she didn't mean for it to come out. In the course of like, oh, we wanted, we looked through a catalog of different ethnicities. And there was check boxes that you had to check on each page. So Shut the do you front like, door. <laughs> so do you like Indian food? Do you like Korean food? Do you like, you know, it was all these questions. And Are my you mom, serious? Yeah. <laughs> my mom was talking about flipping through the catalog and being like, you know, this disgusting look on her face, like, no, no, no. All the way till she thought, well, oh. I could have a, like a Native American child. And so then that's, that was me. <laughs> And I think I was one of the first adoptions of the local chapter of Christian Adoption, mm -hmm. Adoption Services in Calgary, so they say. And then I'm very lucky to have a connection with my birth family, or did. And a lot of other things came out from that about my adoption. So I have like this piece together mm -hmm. situation, but it isn't like complete. Yeah. Um, because you don't. I don't know. Like, there's just some things you don't know, and people tell stories, and they remember things differently, yeah. and, you know. Yeah. So yeah. so I was raised here. I went to a Cole King George, which is just, like, five blocks away from here. Ten blocks oh, away across from the street, sir? Yeah, I went to William Aberhart. I okay. went to the school over, the French school over here, so I was raised in the, in the bilingual mm -hmm. program. Um, I... Was did music since I was young. I really started connecting with my culture in grade ten mm. when my mom brought us to a culture program and we learned how to dance. And I literally thought the devil was trying to get my soul in those classes. Yeah. <laughs> and they came and smudged, and I was like crossing myself. And stuff. Oh, really? It was like really because of being around my grandma and like yeah. superstition and all this stuff. So, but how how did that feel then as as a kid? Because you were said you were ten. Uh, in grade ten. Grade ten. So Sorry, grade ten. You're a teenager. I was in the middle of my witnessing days. So <laughs> that was like my time when I was at the school, embarrassing all my friends, trying to get them to come to Center Street with their, their, um, they had these, my very first concert was the Barlow Girls, which was like a huge, um, Christian pop hit band. The Barlow Girls were a huge Christian pop band. Yeah. Really? Yeah. They toured the States, like all the Focus on the Family concerts. I'm not sure if you know who Focus on the Family is. No but they're idea. Like, um, they're more of a Christian right magazine. Okay. So they, you know, they have how to witness to your friends articles and yeah. like how to, you know, it's just like really what you think it would be. Yeah. Um, they ran several camps. They ran, um, I always see the ads for the eating disorder camps, the, um, uh, conversion therapy camps. Do they and still everything. have the conversion therapy? Oh, yeah, yeah. 
in there and so it would be all in the ad so <sighs> that's a whole other section of my growing up oh but so we could talk about that because that's a section <laughs> of my growing up too yeah yeah so that and then going to dance classes which i think at some point my mom maybe decide not to pay attention mm. to the manual but she also had a great love for the romantic indian so yeah. you know the the powwows and the the dancing yeah. and the native men and the Jeez. you know whatever darcy that was, did so. you ever hear about this what's that about like the catalog there used to be a catalog that people could choose their like ethnic oh, babies yeah. <laughs> i'm just learning this man my brain is Jesus, so I know I'm behind. <laughs> I am so. I've always been slow, Jessica. I'm, Jess, I'm sorry for interrupting mm. you. It's just blowing my mind, right? No, it's like, all good. But this is the stuff that, like, people like myself, we would never hear. Yeah. Nobody's gonna tell us this. Yeah, I shared it on my Facebook a while ago, and some people are like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I finally found it. I must have missed it because I would yeah. have shit a brick if I'd seen it. Yeah, and yeah. I know that it. My parents had it because during the interviews with my grandmother, she said, "Oh." You know, your mom told us to never feed you sugar because Indians are going to get fat and Indian babies, um, if they have sugar, they're going to become addicted to alcohol. So your mom said to never give you any sugar. And she said, but you're my granddaughter, so I'm going to give you sugar anyways. Yeah. And my mom denied that. But wow. in the guidebook, it would have that, like the diet yeah. for the Indian child, right? So, and then my godmother, confirmation mentor lady, yeah. um, she had sat me down when I was a teenager going through confirmation said, I need to tell you something. Your mom didn't ever want to let you eat sugar because she was afraid you'd get fat. So that was like hearing that from my mentor as I'm going through confirmation was not a good thing yeah. <laughs> at all. So then I knew that when we went back into the interviews, when I told her to tell the truth, she completely denied it. Really? And said, it was not about your diet. It wasn't about you getting fat. There was nothing like that. I didn't do anything like that. And my dad was like, but you said, no, no, I didn't. So it was like this whole oh. <laughs> opening up of the whole mess of yeah. um, being brought up by my parents. And like I can, you know, my sister too, she was raised in that same mindset. So, mm. yeah. I can't, I, I'm sorry. Like that is just, <laughs> it's hard for me to believe there was a guide on how to raise indigenous children. Yeah. And I think the later years one was probably better than the earlier one in the 60s. Oh, God, I imagine. Yeah. Because I remember reading April Raintree, which I wasn't allowed to read, but I read it anyways. And a lot of what happened in that book, I believe those guidelines were much worse mm -hmm. because it was still residential school was still going on and things were still tied towards taking the Indian out of the child. Mm -hmm. So I think it was a lot worse than when I received that type of upbringing, but it was yeah. still bad. Well, it was and just a those, gradual bad. Yeah. Right? And those ideas are still in in the minds of people who are raising indigenous children today mm. in the foster care system. So it's like, oh, well, they're eating too much and all these things. It's all about this sort of perceived problem of indigenous people and mm -hmm. projecting it on these kids before they even have a chance to be themselves. Mm -hmm. um, which is why I don't do frontline work anymore. Yeah. It's too much. Where, where, where are you working frontline? I was at Boys and Girls Clubs. Oh, my God. I was working in the Indigenous Service Programs before they were reorganized. Mm -hmm. So I ran after-school outreach programs. I ran Culture Night. I co-ran an evening for older kids with my colleague. Um, I had worked at the YMCA with mm -hmm. their outreach programs, um, Active Life, yeah. after-school programs at Catherine Nichols Gunn, Valley View School, Keeler School, like all these programs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> in the northeast yeah. um southeast area 
which I loved. I love teaching art, but I think when you started to actually connect with some of the kids, you realize how powerless you are in the system Mm -hmm. to actually protect them or bring about any change. Mm -hmm. And so when I had the chance to go back to school, I did, and I Mm -hmm. haven't been back in that sort of close service with kids because I can't, like, it just breaks my heart so much that, you know, I know why social workers quit their jobs. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the system is too much. We've burned out. Like I burned out three times. Yeah. I've been a social worker for 20 years, just about. Yeah. 21. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to go into social. I have an arts degree. So I, you know, like. Well, I, and I think like, honestly, as a social worker, what you do is beautiful, like amazing. So yeah, I hope you don't become a social worker because. No, I thought about it. I thought about going back to school, but. You know, and my dad is like, a social work degree. You know, he's a teacher. So yeah. he taught Forest Lawn for like ever. Yeah, Forced I mean, you could incorporate the music with your social work too. Yeah, yeah. and I see there's a lot. Of, but I've been thinking about the Master's of Education program. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I don't know. I yeah. know I want to go back to school, but I don't know. Master's of Education program at UC or the land-based Master's of Education. And if I do that, I know people say just do your PhD. Why do you want to do a second Master's? Mm-hmm. So it's but i don't know if i want to teach in university the way it is now like yeah. u of s just let go of how many indigenous professors did they yeah because really? they cited racism in the faculty yeah it was a huge thing so this just happened article. with global then so which university was it university of saskatchewan yeah yeah i read an article the other day where i think it was seven professors were let go but i have to go check on the article yeah. again no no darcy just mentioned the last like an hour ago about uh global yeah they laid off 13 16 people oh yeah. my goodness yeah yeah Same so thing. it's like a thing going on yeah and i being in the being in academia and doing my master's at sfu i don't know if i want to I want to teach at that in there. I want to teach in university, but I don't think it's a safe place for me to teach quite yet. Yeah. So who knows? I, I don't blame you. Yeah. It's tricky. It's, it can be really toxic. Mm-hmm. Especially if you want to do what's real for you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and like doing what's real for us is vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to be vulnerable around some of those people. Yeah. Right? In academia. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Unreal. Yeah. So, but yeah, so I grew up here. Back to the original. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I keep was, going off track. Yeah, there's here. so many tangents. I can talk forever. But... I, lo- I love it. Please do. <laughs> well, I've already learned so much shit in like 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I went to, into university. So I grew up here. Oh, I connect, reconnect with my culture. Oh, when I was 17, I went back to visit my birth family, mm. which wasn't actually allowed when I look back on it because there's really? two lists for adopted kids. I don't know if there is anymore. But there is the A list, the adopted list, and the B list. And I had requested to have information on my birth family. And they sent back a letter saying, well, you're on the A list. You're not on the B list. So you're going to have to wait until you're over 18 before we can send you any information. But we can confirm you are registered Indian with the government. So that was great because I was competing in hoop dance and I wanted to like compete. You need a letter in Phoenix to prove that you're indigenous enough. Mm -hmm. So they um, so I had the letter to prove that I was Canadian indigenous to compete. So that was all good. But I got curious. I had some some letters and some photos and some contact with my birth family. So I did know their last name but i didn't know where they were from Mm. everything had to be sort of under the table Mm -hmm. with communications 
um we did go to saskatoon once and my my dad drove us around some pretty sketchy areas saying that's where my family lived but i i don't actually know if that's Mm -hmm. where they actually live um and so i connected i emailed four reserves that had last names so i googled sparvier into the internet and um came up with four different reserves and so i emailed each of them and only one got back to me and said, well, talk to us when you're 18. So we went out there before I was 18. Mm-hmm. And I connected with my Auntie Debbie. And she was memberships. And she remembered who I was. And she knows everybody's families and everybody's children and their children's children. And, like, she knows all the family lineage. So she introduced me to... I went At the time, it felt like my entire family. Mm-hmm. But it was only about 20 of them. So it was not even... <laughs> It was not even the full family. (laughs) So every second person was auntie or uncle or mushroom or cousin. (laughs) So I was very overwhelmed. No doubt. Um, And then my auntie who passed away, she was the one who actually brought me to meet my auntie Rena. And so my auntie Rena was actually adopted into the family, but she was raised with my Nana. So they were Mm. siblings. And she introduced me to a lot of people and she really made it safe. So my auntie Rena is probably my biggest family connection on the reserve and so i had i spent a few summers out there uh going to powwow staying at her place just dropping in um and then slowly meeting other family members Mm -hmm. so it was like a safe base to meet everybody else including Mm -hmm. my nana so my auntie tracy who's my auntie rena's daughter also went back to the reserve at the same time so she had just moved back from vancouver and was um living with her mom to just get back on her feet and, mm. you know so we were there together we both didn't know anybody um so we were just like oh we don't know anybody and we were you know the ones coming back and so then i met my nana which was a really magical moment she saw me dancing oh, cool. and then she was like she knew who i was as soon as she saw me and mm. we introduced i got introduced to her and <laughs> she it was very emotional reconnection mm-hmm. um but then we did we stopped our reconnection we fell out um about four or five years ago when mm-hmm. she got cancer again so my birth mom entered the picture again and, and started told her that i was white now so i shouldn't talk to them mm-hmm. and so i cut my contact with them but i still talk to auntie rena and the other yeah. family members so there's a lot of complicated relationships i think with adopted people in their families and i definitely experienced the highs and lows on both of yeah. those i think i think i think i can't imagine it being any anywhere way but that right yeah and like i can't imagine i think with the 60 scoop what happened is confirming that i was scooped mm-hmm. so a lot of the stories that came back to me were that i was i was willingly given up but in order to be in the six day scoop claim, you had to not have been willingly given up and they mm. do all the investigating. So finding out that I was actually scooped was a huge thing. Mm-hmm. And it also makes it more clear all the tensions in my birth family. And, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know what happened. So I'm not mad at my birth mom anymore. You know, she has her own things and stuff happens. Mm-hmm. So now we know that. It also explains my adoptive parents a little bit better because I think my dad knew. And so it's yeah. like our relationship is complicated as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I know where I'm from. I have family connections yeah. there. I have a connection. 
you know, there I have cousins that will, you know, pop in on Facebook once in a mm-hmm. while and be like, oh, hey. So it's it's nice to know that I have a community. They sponsored me in school once or twice. That yeah. was nice. Well, that's nice. <laughs> and I made sure to, you know, make sure that I have that culture connection with mm-hmm. my own people, which not many people get to have. So I feel very lucky. Yeah. And, I, you know, like as you're talking about the, the difficulties between the two families in an adoption scenario, yeah. like... That, that could be a very good reason as to why people don't do it. Mm-hmm. Just because there's going to be flack from both sides. Yeah. Right? Like um, people who don't understand on, on whether it be the non-Indigenous or the Indigenous side of family, right? Mm-hmm. That could create so much more, I guess, pain than, than maybe has already been through. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Oh, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. You know, I have friends who are adopted who won't visit there. Yeah. Or don't even want to know. Mm-hmm. I've had friends who, over the years, have come to want to know. Yeah. I have friends who can't reconnect because their families are dead. So oh, it's geez. there's a lot of there's a lot of different experiences, mm-hmm. and I've always managed to connect with adopted kids, <laughs> even yeah. when as an adult. Oh, you're adopted. You know, we were when I was in Banff with my friend Beverly, who's a 60s Scoopy, mm-hmm. and she plays piano and we're recording a CD. And the mentor that came in, um, Philip Greenleaf, is from the States. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he he played a saxophone piece, a piece of it for Missing and Murder Indigenous Women. And then he said, well, I'm in, I'm Indigenous. Mm-hmm. And we're like, because we hadn't had any Indigenous yeah. musicians come in to mentor. And he spent time with us. And. He sat, he had dinner with me and he had dinner with Beverly and he was saying, well, I'm also adopted. Mm -hmm. I was told that I was German growing up, but I'm actually, and he, I can't remember if it was Erikara or one of those. I can't remember, Mm -hmm. but he said, these are my people and I'm indigenous, but I was told I was German and this is like the identity, Mm -hmm. you know, but he's experienced racism and music as well and all this stuff. So it was very it was very important to have all the adopted people working on this CD and having mm-hmm. that mentor participate with us as well. It was really magical because there's something about that shared experience yeah. too that makes you feel like you're not alone. So mm-hmm. on my CD, the three of us are adoptees from the 60s, really? the violinist, the pianist, and myself. What's the, what's the name of the CD? Incandescent Tales. Incandescent Tales. I'm just kidding. I need to pay attention. <laughs> It's not ready yet. <laughs> it's not ready yet? No, I've had oh. challenges with licensing. So oh, okay. it's classical music, yeah. plus my own music, and plus some Blackfoot composers, So yeah. and Beverly's original music. So it's Indigenous classical music. But it's, I had some problems licensing the British music guy mm, stuff. Okay. Yeah. He can't even, he said he was having trouble licensing his own music to play. Mm. So <laughs> that's classical music for you. Um, but hopefully soon. Yeah. Once we can take pictures of the album artwork, then the designer soon. Do you have any other, um, links that people could look up to find your music? And Jessica McMahon.bandcamp.com. Right. There's two pieces on there right now. Cool. And they're both Blackfoot titles. Are they? Yeah. Okay, cool. (laughs) Yeah. And and we'll just, we'll attach that link when we put the, when we put the episode out. Yeah. Sweet. So there's that, and then okay. hopefully a CD comes out soon. Yeah, but I, I can't remember what I was talking about now. I, I think you were t- you were talking about the, some of your friends don't uh, they don't even oh, want to yeah, yeah. see their yeah. So one thing that was told to me 
as I was going to go meet my birth family was don't have any expectations Mm. because this individual had high expectations and was totally destroyed Mm -hmm. after. And I said, okay, well, that's good. I'm going to have no expectations. I'm just going to, if anything, I'll expect the absolute worst. And it exceeded my expectations Mm -hmm. because I was so welcomed into, into the place, you know, yeah, into your family. Just, into yeah. my family and like into the into the the community mm. and it was very overwhelming because being introduced all the time yeah. and not having no, any idea who these people were like totally this is your second cousin this is your third uncle like it's just like and they're like you. there's gonna be a test <laughs> there's I'm gonna like, be a test at the who end are these people? <laughs> but it was when i went to school in manitoba it was really nice to have somewhere to go back mm. to because the my birth family appeared at a time when my adoptive family kind of dropped me. Mm. So it was like, they didn't care who I was. They just accepted me fully for me. Mm. And they were there to hold me when the people who raised me didn't want anything to do mm. with me anymore. So it was very like, it worked out. Was was there something specific that happened so that you Yeah, were... I came out. <laughs> oh, you came out. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And that, so that's came out as I came out as gay. Okay. And then I so I moved to Winnipeg. I was living in a culturally abusive home at the time. Mm. So I I can't I won't say more about that, but that's it was cool. really it was really rank. Yeah. And so I managed to get un, out from under that person and um my my mom came and picked me up in the middle of the night. I packed all my stuff up and just left. I was still working in the area, so I had a long commute to work every morning. I auditioned to the jazz school on a whim. Mm-hmm. It was the second year of their program. I thought, if I'm going to go back to school, I'm I'm going to try this. I didn't mm-hmm. listen to jazz. <laughs> I didn't like jazz. Mm-hmm. But I auditioned, and I got in to the nice. University of M. Uh, Jessica tells faculty of music in their jazz studies program and so my reserve funded me then and so I was able to I had support to move out Mm -hmm. I had support to get out of the city I had support to establish myself on my own going to school was a reason I could find people and build Mm -hmm. community in Winnipeg Um, I was living in the university district so I wasn't anywhere that was particularly dangerous which is where i moved to after Mm. but and then i as soon as i moved out i came out to my parents and that was that Mm. apparently i ruined my sister's life for whatever Mm. reason um my grandma started sending me emails about going to hell and which churches i could connect to um for uh, conversion therapy no just to save my soul her family lived out there yeah um, so she convinced them to have me over for Thanksgiving. I went over there. They locked the door and wouldn't let me in. So I had to walk all the way back downtown Winnipeg to catch the bus back to my, to my place. Um, Jesus. yeah, so it wasn't, you know, there was some pe- church people I grew up with here who were in Manitoba, but I just kind of connected with them because I had mm-hmm. to keep the peace in my family, even yeah. though I didn't really want to connect with them. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. So you know, the University of Manitoba community of students there really helped me. Mm-hmm. And I ha- I was living in a house full of great people, which was really nice. <laughs> that, that, that's very nice. Yeah. So that really helped. I connected with elders and I got a job pretty quickly working mm-hmm. with uh, youth in, the, in foster homes. So that was fun. I got to take them to powwows and stuff. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. And dance and stuff like that. So although I did stop dancing for a while. 
Did so, you? Yeah, I put up my hoops because I was taught very strictly that power dance does not mix well with drugs or alcohol. Mm. So I I left my hoops in Calgary and I didn't until I was asked to go to Sweden. Um, and so after that, I went I went to Sweden yeah. and I danced there, which probably wasn't the best place either. For me, I was a Blackfoot Indian in mm. their Indian camp. <laughs> it was a high that, chaparral theme park. Did you say park. Indian camp? Yeah, so High Chaparral is a TV show in the States. Okay. Apparently, it's a big hit in Sweden. They have a theme park called High Chaparral. And they do train robberies, and they have a trapper's section. They bring out, like, these old, well-kept long guns and Mm. shoot them. And they're actually really cool. Are you looking it up right now? Because you're (laughs) laughing. Yeah. Um, They had, like, a... Um, a fair. They had plays every day, so people could be riding the train, and a robbery would happen, and... It was kind of like a comedy. Yeah. They had a Western show on horses with guns and fireworks. And it was very like, you know, people would dress mm-hmm. up. And, you know, we lived on Indian Island. Um, they had buffalo there. Um, we were in these teepees that weren't Blackfoot, but they said we were Blackfoot. And, and mm. I was the only person there who actually knew a little bit of Blackfoot. So I was able to. <laughs> oh, we did an Oregon Trail show once oh, okay. a week. Um, and then there was Mexico where they had a Zorro show. Mm-hmm. And they had... Uh, Mexican dancers from Mexico dancing in their pavilion doing the Zorro show. <laughs> so, wow. yeah, it was interesting. So, like, I'm just trying to get my head around this. So, basically, this place in Sweden, <laughs> yeah, right, this place in Sweden invites different, exo- different what they might call exotic cultures. Is that? Um, it has to be part of the High Chaparral show. So, High Chaparral is a show from the States. Yeah, it's and, a TV show. Okay, what was it about? Western. Oh, Western? Yeah. Okay. Indians and Cowboys. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I was like totally everything that was Western or country Western, I tried not to learn because my dad loved it. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So growing up, you're like purposely not picking that up because you don't want to remember it. Like Bonanza and shit like that. Yeah. I don't know what those are. <laughs> yeah, right. Bonanza is another show, okay. uh, Western from back in the day. Yeah, I wouldn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Me neither. Yeah, I wasn't, I was raised without technology really. So. Rhea? Yeah, so I had no clue. It was like Canadian folk music, Christian pop radio, mm-hmm. CBC, yeah. some of it. Yeah, classical music. I didn't know what The Simpsons were until high school. Really? Yeah, that was. <laughs> well, it's good you got to learn, though. Yeah, I got to learn. I'm still learning. Simpsons some are important. <laughs> Cultural references. Yeah. I'm getting them now. Yeah. So, <laughs> so That's what? what Heather would say, too. She'd be like, I'm starting to get stuff that Dave says because I make reference to movies for. Yeah. That are 30, 40 years old, right? Yeah. yeah. No clue. Yeah, so. fair enough. Yeah, so High Chaparral is pretty much a big party. Mm. I think it's changed a little bit now. Um, there's it's a, The person who now has the gig there, he married a Swede from there when he went there when he was younger. Yeah. With the person who is there now, he passed away. So mm. <clears throat> the person who brought me over passed away, but he had also brought my friend Brian Klein over there. And so now he runs the... The show and is a lot better. Okay. His kids dance. They're half Swedish. It's all good. So cool, <laughs> but not when I went. So yeah, yeah. So you know that there was that time when they supported me and mm-hmm. yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. That you got to do that. Yeah. So when you once you picked your hoops up again, so everyone listening, when you listen to this, you're gonna telling you you need to check this out. You need to look up Jessica McMahon hoop dancing. Seriously. And if you cannot find anything out there, email me or message me. I've got videos saved. 
that from when you were dancing here at the, at the uh, arts festival. Mm -hmm. So amazing, amazing. Yeah. So once you picked him up again, you're welcome. So once you picked him up again, were you off and running from that point on then? Or? Yeah, I still had some struggles. And so I think that for me, if I had a show, then I'd be clean for four days mm -hmm. and then I do the show. Yeah. And then because the relationship I was in at the time wasn't um, supportive of that. And so wasn't supportive of like non drinking kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And not, oh, it was just, yeah, it's not a time of my life. Up, basically, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'd really struggle to be <clears throat> clean for four days before my show. And then I'd do the show or I'd mm -hmm. work in the school and then I'd have the weekend and start again on Tuesday. Yeah. Mm. But eventually I stopped. And then I was, was there like, a catalyst for you to stop? Yeah, there was. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask about that? Or Yeah. 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 Um, so I was out partying in January. So it was just very cold in Winnipeg. So I had moved from the That's university. That's got to be district. one of the coldest places on the planet in the fucking winter, hey? In Winnipeg. Sorry, I survived, on. though. I did it. You made it. <laughs> I made it. So I had dropped out of school. Um, I had experienced a lot of racism in mm. the school um, of the University of Jazz faculty. And if you Google it, you kind of know what's going on. Really? Um, so, so even in a university level stuff you're experiencing great racism oh, oh yeah it was terrible what was the name of the school again university of manitoba nice <laughs> as faculty there you are yeah bitches so, <laughs> <laughs> i yeah i took a native women in the arts class mm -hmm. and the professor's amazing dr sherry farrell she's at the u of r now and so i was very inspired by a lot of the work in the class we studied mm -hmm. like rebecca belmore and john cardinal schubert and like these performance artists and it was so inspiring mm -hmm. and i couldn't take it anymore in the jazz faculty i didn't want to be there like i was doing really well but i failed i failed theory three times um i was having problems in my history class i had to write a 10-page paper on baby dodds where everybody else had to write a one-page paper on their musician of choice and i didn't want to write on baby dots because i'm not a percussionist he's a very influential jazz drummer mm. from the beginnings of jazz like he was part of the original um marching bands that were happening and then he invented the greater kit of jazz that comes along mm -hmm. so before it was very basic and he was he used the slide whistle in his kit which was really important and so I, i'm glad i wrote the paper because now mm. i know about him but I didn't think that was fair that I had 10 pages and everyone else had one. And so wait, so, I got to ask you though, like how, how did that come about that they gave you, you got a 10 page paper and everybody else because got Because I missed page. one paper. Really? Yeah. Okay. So. So there was racism going <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, there was. Fucking A there was. I didn't. Bitches, University <laughs> of Manitoba. I couldn't make friends in the faculty, but once they found out that I was adopted and that my mom's side of the family is from, I was going to say Galician, but it's not Galician. <sighs> Darkies Breakfast. It's out. It's a huge Mennonite town on the outside of Winnipeg. Outside of I'm not sure. Yeah. Anyways, it turns out that my mom's cousin's husband had taught them all in school, and then yeah. they were like okay with me. So it was very much. It was so difficult for me to like get to jam sessions mm -hmm. or make friends or find the yeah. whole thing was about community, and I couldn't connect. Um, I had a professor scream at me because she wore fringe boots and accused me of accusing her of cultural appropriation even though i hadn't said anything about her boots mm. <laughs> um really people saying oh i bet you can't even read music um 
I could read music. Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. I did two years in classical music at U of C. Jesus, you play so, a wicked flute. Thank you. Yeah. So, and, you know, I listened back to recordings and I was like, actually, it's pretty good. But because of everything that was happening, you know, I'd have professors tell me, if you aren't going to live and breathe jazz, you should just drop out. I was being mm -hmm. told to drop out at least once a week out of the program. Were, can I ask, were you the only Indigenous musician in that program? In the jazz studies the program, jazz studies, yeah. yes. Okay. In the whole school, there was two of us, but we didn't really talk. The whole school? He was a classical was... guitarist from the pod, and he was really good, so, yeah. but we didn't really talk. That's far out, man. Yeah, so it was really like, it was, it was pretty rank. But I had one professor in my corner, and he really supported me, um, and I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah, and he told me what to expect. You know, he's like, Jess, you know, if you are in this faculty, white students have to do this much work, black students have to do this much work, and you have to do this much work. And my yeah. hand is really high in the air right now. Yeah, so if it's you like could see her, there's three levels. Yeah, there's, and there's so I have to do six times as much work to order to be seen at the level of a white student in the faculty. And Ugh. I would, don't think I was ready for that pressure because everyone yeah. else had jazz training. I didn't. I couldn't memorize pieces yeah. to save myself. Yeah. Although I did memorize. I'm sure you did. Summertime in all keys. I could play it. Yeah. And what is this thing called love? And I think people were really annoyed because every time I suggested a song, it was one of those two. <laughs> but I could <laughs> play it in any key. Yeah. So I ended up leaving. So then mm. I just didn't do much. I got a job in a call center. Didn't really like that. Then I started making regalia and stuff. And I was mm. working for the the child services agencies. So Yeah. Yeah. And so then I just, you know, when I moved out there, it was just like party, party, party. So mm. <laughs> once I started dancing again and I was doing it full time. So in January, I was involved in the arts scene. So I was mm. doing some contemporary art shows and things like that. And I was had some very grateful to have some really good connections um, to have space rehearsal. And it was actually United Church that allowed me allowed me to rehearse. Mm -hmm for the first time without like so you know, least they could do yeah like it was really yeah. great like they were on broadway and it was like sort of in a sketchy area but it mm -hmm. was it was really nice they set they set me up in my room and like that's cool i really enjoyed that but i was out partying one night and i had recently made this beaded bling and i was wearing it out and it was like a good night out and this guy came up to me and he said you what did he say? It was very trippy. He said, oh, you are going to hurt people with that if you don't, like, smarten up. Mm. And I was like, what? What? And he's like, you have the power. He's, like, pointing at my medallion. Mm -hmm. And I was like, ah, whatever. Yeah. And then um, I went and I got another beer and I went to look for him to, like, get mad at him. And he was nowhere to be found. Mm. Upstairs at Geo's, downstairs at Geo's patio. I even went out and around the block looking mm. for him and I couldn't see him and I got really freaked out. Yeah. And after that, that was that was the end. Mm -hmm. And I think, too, seeing some of my friends were in really bad places that night. I was just like, yeah. you know, I had lost all my IDs. <laughs> my mm -hmm. friends had taken me home. I was not doing well at the house in the corner. Like, it was just all in all a very bad experience. I greened out. <laughs> yeah. So that was like... I felt embarrassed too because <laughs> that's gross <laughs> and I had ruined my favorite sci-fi fantasy book and so it was just like a really bad night so I stopped mm. that was the end 
and then pretty soon after that I left my girlfriend at the time and I moved into my friend's place and I had friends come move me out at the middle of the night again Mm -hmm. and just like yeah those midnight moves get tiring don't they (laughs) they do (laughs) they do (laughs) yeah and so I was back to teaching full time Mm -hmm. and I was teaching in Winnipeg for minimum wage so that's $400 a week teaching dance residencies and arts and really really got into teaching music and dance mm-hmm. and we did i did a musical theater with a group we had language expert come in so it was like really good to get back mm-hmm. into that and then i went to bam center to do a dance residency and i reconnected with my best friend because we gotten into an argument mm-hmm. and i was dancing long hours even at Banff, I was not drinking, which mm-hmm. is really huge. <laughs> it's a big deal. And it's party you know, town. It is party town. Yep. And so I was, I was like feeling really good. Mm-hmm. And when I saw him, I was like, "That's my soulmate." And so then Elijah came, mm-hmm. and we were together. That's awesome. Yeah. And how and how's, how long have you been with Elijah? We've been together ten years, ten and we've years. been married for three. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. This is August and honestly, 25th was yeah, our anniversary. Really? So yeah. I was pretty close when I bumped into you in Camor. Eh? <laughs> yeah. That was so weird. But that's honestly, when I kept bumping into you, I'll be, okay, fine. I'll fucking invite her. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. I looked up. I'm like, okay, I get it. So yeah. I better invite her on. That was yeah. so cool to see you. And those were your adopted parents. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, our relationship is yeah. as it goes. Yeah. <laughs> I could kind of sense that there was like difficulty there. And yeah. but that's like, Honest, I didn't know the, the reason why there was difficulty, but it makes sense. Yeah. Um, that must have been like, because you said they were from, uh, where were they from? Saskatchewan. But before that, from so somewhere my, in Europe? Yeah, so my dad, I'm, he's not sure about what year, so I say like third, fourth generation mm. immigrants. He knows he's from Ireland and from Norway. Gotcha. Um, they went there for their honeymoon just outside of Oslo to his family mm. hometown. Um, which is really cool. That's really cool. When, like, you can see the difference, but you can see my dad looks Norwegian. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just, he looks so Norwegian. He does look um, like a Norwegian yeah. fellow, for sure. <laughs> and then my mom is, her dad is Ukrainian, but we I don't think Ukraine. we actually know because my grandma's half Spanish, but she won't tell anybody that. So uh, it's... Okay. <laughs> So we don't know. The but secrets, eh? We grew up with the Ukrainian culture. Yeah. So we'd have the big pierogi make once a year. My great-grandma would come in and it would just yeah. be pots and pots and big Pierogies things like potatoes. And, you know, eating yeah. all the foods that I don't like, like borscht. And there's like Ooh. these, and then Norwegian foods too. And it was mm. just, you know, that was the culture growing up that I was sort of attached to. Yeah. And, okay. Yeah. And so then they grew up in Saskatchewan and then they moved here. Mm-hmm. My mom was partially raised here in Calgary as well, I believe. And my oh, okay. dad was not raised here. He was mm-hmm. small town, Saskatchewan, mm-hmm. captain of the hockey team. So when you came out to them, did it like cause a stroke for one of them? Or? Um, I don't think so. No? My dad's best friend is gay. Okay. And so I, it was always just like, okay. Yeah. You know, but I think deep down they were still very not okay with things. Yeah. You know, my dad... I feel is pretty is more liberal because Mm -hmm. he taught at Forest Lawn and he taught at um, Mm. GW Skeen and that was like his area and he's seen so much in his life that he's not you know he's a guidance counselor so he's there for the kids Mm -hmm. so he wasn't as how I would expect him to be but my mom shut me out right away like I wasn't allowed to talk to my sister I wasn't allowed to phone them 
you know, my dad would call when my mom wasn't there. Yeah, he still okay. does that now. But <laughs> it's yeah. like, you know, I wasn't allowed to be around my sister. Mm. And so it's just like all this stuff. Do they think because you were a lesbian that you would hurt your sister? Is that? I have no idea. Because like, I've heard I feel stories like my about mom it. believes that. Yeah. I wasn't allowed to be around my uncle mm. for very long. And so I think, you know, it's, you, I don't know. You know, my mom's very yeah. racist. I can list off all the ethnicity she doesn't like. Yeah. You know, she's very this. Very rigid. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, I call her on it all the time and we get into arguments and stuff. So maybe that's why. But mm-hmm. it was actually my sister who pushed me to come up. Because oh, she what? had yeah. friends who were lesbians and, yeah. you know, she's younger. So she was in more of an open environment. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> that's so strange, eh? The, the person that your mom was thinking she was protecting from you. Was the one who was pushing me to be And myself. encouraging you. Yeah. Is, well, maybe that's why she wanted you guys not to be around each other. Yeah. That's far out. Yeah. So there's that. I did you, visit my grandma Obviously, she one. loves you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, your sister, not... My sister, yeah. Well, I'm not suggesting your mom doesn't either. <laughs> well... <laughs> yeah, I'll leave that between you and your mom. Yeah. So I... Well, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure she loves you the best way she can. Maybe. Let's just say that way. Yeah. <laughs> That's being And liberal. then even a maybe on the end of that. <laughs> yeah. There's... If you've, if you've seen my piece, Too Good, That Maybe, mm. then you'll see that it could possibly not be even not that. So... Yeah. No, fair enough. Yeah. So, you know, my grandma liked her playing piano, so she quit piano. You know, it's like Uh, that kind of. My grandma's really racist, so let's get Native children. Except that my grandmother was so happy to have grandchildren that she didn't really care. Jesus. (laughs) Why don't I laugh about this all the time? (laughs) Fuck, and white people. Fuck. Sorry. Sorry, but you know, my dad, I think he didn't really care. Yeah. But he was engaged to a native lady before my mom. So mm-hmm. I think he was, you know, he participated in sweats. He helped yeah. with the Six of Grass social studies curriculum. Mm-hmm. So he's very engaged in the indigenous community yeah. before that. And I'm friends with his ex fiance. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and friends with her sons who are yeah. also adopted. Okay. So it's like, it's this nice community. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. nice that you have your dad though, right? Like yeah. it, it is, it is. I'm not, again, I'm not sure about that relationship, but having a very strained with your mom. Yeah. It's nice to have at least one. At least one. Yeah. Yeah. And I almost got sent to conversion therapy by my grandma. No. Yeah. It was really creepy. And she... Although we shouldn't be surprised. Grandma sounds like she was a treat. <laughs> oh, yeah. she. But, you know, she's the sweetest, most loving yeah. person. Yeah. And, you know, like we say, she would be the best grandma yeah. if, it, if she wasn't a bigot. So... Yeah. And that's, but that's so strange, right? It's like, oh yeah, grandma was okay, unless. <laughs> yeah. And so when I was 12, she took me out to pick sweet peas, which are like these little flowers that she likes. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, do you know your uncle is gay? And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. he's not going to heaven. He's mm-hmm. going to hell. So you can't be like him. I was the only grandchild that got the don't be gay speech from my grandma <laughs> really <laughs> when I was 12 yeah maybe it was because I was a vegetarian um which was bad <laughs> um or I don't know <laughs> I don't know sorry for the blasphemy <laughs> but fuck I was a competitive runner I don't yeah. know who knows so there is that but when I was older <laughs> you're a vegetarian <laughs> oh my god <laughs> So, so you obviously you will be a lesbian. Yeah. Obviously. Obviously. I'm yeah. not a vegetarian anymore. <laughs> my first 
meat. I'm sorry your grandma cracks me up. But that's awful. My awful. first meat after being a vegetarian was actually moose meat steak. Was it? Yeah, so it was glorious. Good choice. It was so good, yeah. Good choice. <laughs> I was having problems with my energy levels. Mm. I was anemic. Um, you know, the best diet for indigenous people is full of protein. So yeah. I have not allergies, so I couldn't. Oh, do you? Yeah. Yeah. So you need meat. Yeah. Yeah. Need meat. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> yeah. enough. I couldn't do without it, right? Not yet. I'm not yeah. there. I, I, you know, I think I'm at a good balance now. Yeah. So that was that. But when I, after I came out, my grandma had, was begging me to visit her and she's like, okay, well, you can come out, you know, your auntie's not at home, your, your parents, I don't know where they were. You know, I have Aaliyah. Mm -hmm. Why don't you come out? I'll pick you up and bring you out to your auntie's house. I have my own car. Mm -hmm. Like there was no reason for that to happen. Yeah. And she said, no, I really want to pick you up. You know, just leave your car at home. You'll be fine. I'll get you back in time for your next appointment. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, I'm going to drive myself. And yeah. she was like, why? You don't want me to drive you? I'm like, no, it's okay. I need to get to my appointment. Mm -hmm. I don't want to bother you to drive me, drive into Calgary, get mm -hmm. me, drive me back out and then drive me back in and mm -hmm. then drive back out to Springbank. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, doesn't make any sense. And so I... I drove myself out there and I told Elijah that if I don't call him in like 30 minutes, mm -hmm. then expect that I'm gone. Mm -hmm. And so we got there and I went in and she, and she had all this literature like laid out, mm -hmm. focus on the family books, um, conversion therapy pamphlets. There's like a little pamphlet about a camp I could go to oh, to geez. fix myself. Yeah. And she had me fix yourself. Yeah, and she had made a small batch of muffins. Mm -hmm. Now, if you know my grandma, she's not going to make a batch of six muffins. She's going to make 80 muffins and mm -hmm. freeze half of them and forget yeah. about them and eat them in a year. Like, it's, she doesn't do that. And I was very suspicious. She kept really trying to get me to eat one of these muffins. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at the literature and I said, you know what, grandma, my appointment's been changed. I'm going to go. Mm -hmm. And I just, she gave me the muffins and I threw them out the window and I just yeah. like, yeah. It was so close because I know that's the community that she's in. Mm. I know those were the magazines she read. She paid for my Brio magazine subscription. Like, yeah. She's very much of that mindset. Were you but, scared sitting there at her house? Oh, I was terrified. Like wondering what the fuck's going on. Yeah. And like, yeah. why is she pushing these on me? She's not yeah. giving them to my cousin. She's not like, you know. It, that is, honestly, my brain goes to the scenario where she drugs you. Yeah, that was you. where I was. I bet. You know, like, because yeah. I'd heard about it. At least I'd yeah. heard about it. Yeah. If I hadn't heard about it, I would have had no idea. Oh, thank God you Like, heard. it's just like, okay, I need to get out of here. Mm -hmm. And it's always been like that sort of, that presence of those programs, knowing I was so close to that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I love my grandma. But I just, like, I can't. I can't. You know? Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. I, I can't. Like, it's yeah. so... I love... And, you know, my grandpa was sick for a while and he was on pills, painkillers. Mm. <laughs> yeah. He was so happy and cheerful. <laughs> and I think, you know, me and Elijah went out and that yeah. was the best visit we've ever had with them. Yeah. Because he was mellow and... <laughs> he yeah. was mellowed out, you know? Yeah. I could... I could not wear socks in the house and he would be okay with it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and that was a no-no when you were oh, young? Yeah. 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 It was a huge thing. Yeah. You know, my grandma was happy and it was good. It was really good. Yeah. They didn't talk about politics. They didn't talk about who they support, um, which is probably not any secret. And we didn't get into arguments about that. And like, mm -hmm. it was really nice. And so I had another visit with her not too long ago. 
It's just me. I don't put Elijah in the position of having to yeah. be around people like that in my family. And we had a really good visit. Mm-hmm. But I and they were on their best behavior, which makes me think they knew what they were doing. They know yeah. what they say. You know, they yeah. know that I'm not going to agree with them. You know, I, they know that I'm going to fight them on every basic human rights issue that mm-hmm. they bring up and they're on the yeah. wrong side of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so and that was my last visit with them and I'm I'm okay mm-hmm. with that right now because I don't want to say something that I'm going to regret. Yeah. That's going to cause them to have more strife. And like already the family is so fractured. Yeah. So it's just like well, and you don't need any more abuse either, Jessica. No, like, I don't. And yeah. I and I know at this point I'm not going to be able to just keep it in anymore. Yeah. 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 I don't do it with my parents. I'm not going to Yeah. I don't know yeah. how you could or why you would. Yeah. <laughs> survival you, maybe, but Yeah, survival, I guess if you yeah. had to be there for whatever, but the the reality is, man, you're surviving. Yeah. Despite them. Yeah. So, so you know, we just Yeah leave that and keep working on my relationship with my parents. And, yeah. That's cool. You know, they don't really nice of you to think about Elijah too. That, yeah. That's something very like thoughtful. I think it's important. You know, I, mm-hmm. I read it somewhere, heard a podcast, something yeah. where it's like, don't put your family members in those situations. And I was like, I love him so much that I don't want him to be in that situation. Yeah. Either. We don't you want know, to share the misery anymore. Right? No. And like, yeah. why I wouldn't want to be in that situation if it was mm-hmm. me. Like, and you yeah. know, Beverly had talked to me about some similar issues and mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, this is the right decision. Yeah. That's very, very yeah. wise. You put somebody in harm's way yeah. when you do that. Very wise. Very loving too. Yeah. Very important. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, there we are. <laughs> and so, where were we? I don't know. I talked Well, we circles. just finished talking about grandma and right. grandpa. And <laughs> I, I laugh because it's how I, it, now it's funny. But, well, of course, you know, now like it five is. Five years ago, yeah. I would have been crying. So Well, and, and I'm only <laughs> laughing because you're able to laugh. Yeah. Because like, inside my brain, I'm not laughing. I think. Sometimes I think it could be a comedy, like, yeah. of my life, just like all that shit Mm -hmm. (laughs) i mean you do have to we do have to like going through stuff we have to have a sense of humor to some extent about it for sure especially about Mm -hmm. our own stuff like it's imperative to survive right like that we have to be able to laugh at some of that stuff yeah and it's almost absurd you know it's so real in the moment (laughs) of stuff that i went through but when i think back and i'm like this is like out of a TV show or something. Like, well, that's what it sounds like, though, right? Aren't really like this, but yeah. they are. But they are and like that. I have friends who have been through stuff like this as well, so mm. it's like, you know. Yeah, and it's so real, right? Like, and right now, like, honestly, this—I don't think our conversation could have come at a better time. Like, with all the rampant racism that's like rearing its head in this country and down south, like, mm-hmm. I honestly, I, I full on expect something to blow up soon. Mm-hmm. Right. Because how many how long are people going to get pushed around? Man? Yeah. Not forever. Not forever. Right? Yeah. And what side <sighs> of history do you want to be on? Exactly. Right? Yeah. The side. Well, the only side for us to be on is the right side. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. that's to share this stuff with people. Because honestly, I can yeah. guarantee there's a good portion of people that will listen to this episode had no idea there was a catalog on exotic babies. Yeah, I didn't even know there was a catalog right? until or, my mom told me. Or a manual on how to raise an uh, indigenous <laughs> child. And I'm not even yeah. going to say the word they probably use because I won't use that word. Because yeah. the way they meant it was derogatory. Yeah. So even though I know it's weird because down in the States, um, indigenous isn't used. No. Indian is yeah. used. Right? And yeah. 
Native down in the States? Okay, so Native American. Yeah, and a and, lot of people will just use Indian anyways. Yeah. Within our own communities. And I think, I but mean, it, I think that's okay. I mean. Of course it's okay. You, seriously. <laughs> like, And it's interesting to hear the dialogues, you know, and other countries now, indigenous people are starting to use the term First Nations as well because mm-hmm. they're the First Nations of that land as well. Yeah. And they're starting to claim some of the language here as well, which is yeah. really cool. I, I think it's great. Yeah. Because First Nations sums it up. Right. And not yeah. Canadian First Nations, but First First Nations. <laughs> like before Canada was a Canada. Right. Yes. Like it's but hearing that like in in the non-Indigenous community, which is a good portion of where I spend my time because I'm a whitey. Right. Like the we don't know half of the shit. I would say we know less than half. Yeah. Less than half of what of what Canada actually does to Indigenous people. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we would know less than half, probably 10 percent. Yeah. And it's only going to be bullshit stories we've heard. Right. Mm-hmm. So you hear all I hear um, people say, oh, they get so much for free. I'm like, oh, my <laughs> God, how wrong you are. <laughs> but that's what people think. Yeah. Right. And, and the reality is that's not the fucking case. No. What gets me is the free education. Oh, my God. You know, right? it's a competition to get that free education. And even that it's a struggle to survive off that free education. Yeah. You know, some people don't get $800 a month in their living expenses. Really? You can't survive on that in this city. Oh you know, my. some people get 700 Yeah. You know, I've heard of people getting 600 from their reserves. I'm so, lucky that I got more than that. Yeah. But, you know, it's like in this day and age, you can't survive off of that. And it's a huge mm-hmm. competition. You have to keep your grades up. You have to know somebody in yeah. the education council. Like, you know, and, and I'm rolling my then, eyes at that, but sometimes that's the truth. Yeah, but I, I think you're you're probably speaking to what's true more often than not, right? And like even then, if have you ever been able to even get an idea of what other student loans give for like for living expenses versus what the band can give for living expenses? Yeah, like, I know that I have eight student loans out. Yeah. And so <laughs> I Jeez. know that it's it's enough. Yeah. I am very happy going to school on a student loan. Yeah. Because it's plenty. It's plenty. It's more than the band can give you, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And yeah. I wanted to say that out loud because yeah. <laughs> I know that already. <laughs> yeah. Right? Although um, I don't like having student loans. Of course having to pay them back because yeah. it's huge. Especially but, now with the interest rate changes on the yeah. student loans. So there's your free school. <laughs> Everybody out there, right? Like, it's such a joke. It's such a yeah. joke. Um, and for anyone out there who might argue against, like, any sort of reparations that are paid, let's just put this in perspective, okay? When we, when we're, when our government, and I say we, not me, I didn't vote for this fuck, I'll tell you that right now, <laughs> and is bullshit, and is lying, right? And is, like, using, like, I just can't get, I don't want to get into it, I'm sorry. The last podcast, I was baited, not on purpose, but, like, just by the topic that we were talking about, I was baited. I almost went after the Catholic Church and I have to be really careful because I yes. think that is one institution we could burn down and get rid of. There's just so much garbage there. I don't understand it. Mm, but it's again, so, it's super complicated. The bylaw, is it a bylaw? Is it a, what is it now that bans it in Calgary? Bylaw. Yeah, but so they still a, get around it. Yeah. How, how do they get around it? How do you think? Because they... Not particular, any particular group, but in general. How in general, because that? they're not using abusive therapies. Okay, so they're using non-invasive, non-abusive yes. Yes. therapies. Okay, yeah. okay. So that's how they get around it. Because the old way was abusive and very, yes. very much abusive. Yes. Yeah. So and th- so that's not anyone in particular. That's just in general how some yeah. of the organizations that have always 
um, wanted to teach conversion therapy, how yeah. they get around it now is they just make it a little bit more watered down yeah. is kind of the thing. Yeah. Okay. And Yeah. And my grandma has approached me on this subject as well mm -hmm. with the new ideas that are circulating in her circles. Oh, the new ideas. A new way to get them converted, right? Yeah. <laughs> and to, you know, yeah, not engage in homosexual behavior. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good luck, church. Good luck. Yeah. I'm, I'm so. bisexual, right? So <laughs> I, I, I like uh, the church. As far as I'm concerned, the church can do whatever they want to do about it. Yeah. Like they, I, I don't care. Like yeah. they, they have no, they get no grace for me anymore. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that has to do with, well, mostly it has to do with children, right? Yeah. And it's got nothing, very little to do with the fact that I was raised in the environment. Mm -hmm. Although being raised in the environment, you have, you get you gain a lot of perspective other people don't get mm -hmm. right as yeah. just how regular the church does this shit mm -hmm. right and the indoctrination of yeah. some of them yeah like it goes deep and it goes so deep into somebody's soul yep you know there's no yeah i don't it's identify very hard as, to leave that it is i don't identify as a christian anymore uh, like it's been a few, couple years now since i've been vocal about it mm -hmm. but before that it was it was always okay i guess i'm a bad christian and then it was like wait a second like, if this religion is so loving, yeah. why is it I'm a bad Christian just for being who I am? Yeah. Right? And I refuse to believe that. Yeah. Because really, what helped me the most was refusing to believe it about others. Yeah. Right? Because I refuse. I refuse to say that that person is not who they say they are. Yeah. I refuse to say God didn't create them that way. Yeah. I refuse it. Um, and be mostly also because I was living it. Right? Yeah. Like, um, it, it's, a, it's a fucking shock. Yeah. When when I heard about even the vote going on, I said, how is this even a thing still? Right? Yeah. But it's like you said, that makes so much sense. They simply change the shell. Yeah, they change it's the shell. It's a shell game, right? They just change it. So that the wording, they can get past the wording yeah. of anything that outlaws it. Yeah. Which is why when yeah. we these, these conversations come up on the podcast, I go full tilt at them. Because I'm yeah. like, no, this is an opportunity. Right? Because yeah. the truth is, I don't get it. I don't get it. What yeah. does it have to do with anyone else, whether I'm gay or straight or not? It doesn't have anything to do with anybody else. Nothing. It's power and control. Yeah. You know, I think the one thing that my... So my mother was my confirmation teacher. Mm -hmm. Lutheran church, you have to go through the things. Whew, that would have been so ugly. Martin Luther wrote this thing. Oh, I can't remember. The book of catechisms or something anyways we read it but she was huge into questioning mm -hmm. but only questioning in a certain way yeah. but what she didn't know was that by teaching us to question i really it allowed me to really question things mm -hmm. and so i remember proposing the christmas play one year because we had to write the christmas play every mm -hmm. year the older confirmation students that instead the wise men would follow the sun because the mm -hmm. sun was a star yeah and it was just that's what they meant so they would just follow the sun until they found a random thing mm -hmm. and my mom didn't like that yeah but i really like really mm -hmm. questioned everything and she As read a should. book called the pagan christ mm -hmm. and so i read that i can't really remember it now but mm -hmm. i remember it like opening my eyes to religion as a construct of control mm -hmm. and i also had a really amazing social studies teacher in high school right and he was all about debate and yep. like all this stuff yeah and really inspired me to look at the church in a different lens mm -hmm. he probably didn't know that but yeah <laughs> and i really like 
took it down hard mm-hmm. and I went through confirmation because I felt I had to. My mom was a confirmation yeah. teacher and I didn't want to be ejected from the church, mm-hmm. even though I didn't like it. And there was lots of racism and I was like bullied and beat up. But you up still felt everything. like you needed it, right? Yeah, I still needed it. So yeah. I went through with that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I really, I really enjoyed that book and I mm-hmm. might go back and read it again just to have a refresher on it because yeah. it really pointed out a lot of different things and, yeah. you know, really criticizing the mm-hmm. role of organized religion in terms of Christianity and yeah. what it did to the world. And it's fucking problematic. Yeah. Yeah. So pardon my language. I hope it doesn't oh, no, bug that's you. Okay. I, sorry. <laughs> that's okay. I didn't even think to ask in the beginning. It, <laughs> no, it's good. Yeah. Darcy's used to it. Cause as soon as the church comes up, he's like, well, Dave's going to get mad. <laughs> I could see his eyebrows go like this. He's like, he's like, what's happening? <laughs> We're on to the third hour. Right. <laughs> no, it's all, it's all good. I've toned it down because I've been working with kids for a of while. Of course, of course. <laughs> I appreciate it. I just don't want to yeah. offend you by saying Yeah, no, too it's much. all good. Cool. Um, yeah, like yeah. I this this last six months, Jessica, with everything that's happening in our world and all the the all the racism rising to the top, mm-hmm. like really people are just with all the fear, they're unable to kind of contain themselves, right? Their their racism and their bullshit. Oh yes. Um, it has been, it's so eye-opening to me because I'm a 46-year-old white guy in Canada, man. Like, you cannot get a better gift than that. Like, really, that's a pretty good <laughs> gift, right? Yes, um, you know, I just talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, and, and it's, it's unfortunate that it's a gift. I, I mean that. It's unfortunate that that is like, because first of all, when you did the, when you pointed out the scale of how much you have to work, uh, and because it's not video, you guys can't see it, but it literally, the indigenous human has to work 10 times. I'm going to say 10 times as hard um, just to get the same results as a white person working normal, yeah. right? And it's weird because that has been every every time we've had uh, someone who, on who we've talked about racism with, uh, it's, it's very much the same message, right? It's, yeah. It's spe- unless... Unless we have a conversation with a white person about racism, which I haven't done. Right? That'll be interesting. Yeah. I would like I've, to hear that. I've kept it. I've kept it so far because I'm like, I kind of know what they're, what lots of them are going to say. And I have no interest in hearing the same shit. Oh, but I'm not. We're not all blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. All lives matter. I'm t- I don't want to hear it. Right. So I've, I've purposely avoided that because I've, I've witnessed um, fellow non-indigenous and non, um, we'll just call them whiteies non-stereotype people, right? Um, I've witnessed them just have meltdowns over this thing as though they think literally someone's holding them responsible for fucking slavery. And it's like, dude, seriously, nobody's blaming you, but we got to pay attention to this shit, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. and, and I, I'm getting, a, I, I, I'm not a getting, I am slightly uh, tired of the, um, that gut response of, of white people being like, nope, not true. It's like, okay, I, I get it. You're kind of being a wanker, right? But here's the thing. It is true whether you believe it or not, yeah. right? This is the history of our country, yeah. right? This is our history. And just like you don't think we should whitewash history the way, the way people are telling us to, well, we've already done it. Yeah. Like that's, that's why it pisses us off. Is because now people aren't believing the shit anymore, mm-hmm. right? They're taking down John A. McDonald statues. They're gonna they're gonna attack anything, and rightfully so, right? Yeah. I I don't care if you trash a, if people trash a thousand statues, 
Yeah. If it leads to change. Yeah. Right. And uh, the discussions that need to happen. That's right. You know, I've, I t- I've taught in schools from Ontario to British Columbia. Mm-hmm. And I, every place I go, it's supposed to be better. Mm-hmm. Oh, this curriculum is better. Being in these schools are better. Mm-hmm. Oh, Ontario has so many good things going on with language. Mm-hmm. But every single, maybe it's just the schools I end up in. Mm-hmm. But every single school is at the same spot where I go into a school in Ontario and I say, on whose territory are we today? Mm-hmm. Please introduce me because I'm not from here. And they just stare. They don't even know. Mm-hmm. And so I end up having to Google it and teach something that isn't my job to teach them yeah. because they should know this already and I'm yeah. not from there. Yeah. You know, and dish with one spoon territory. Well, you guys should have known that. Yeah. You know, and apparently you're supposed to have really good schools over here and mm-hmm. they were supposed to already know this. I go into BC and to some schools in in Vancouver and you have a kid come up to me and say, you can't be a real native person. I was like, why? Because you're all dead. You know, like Fuck. that's the... That are you is, kidding me? And I think Vancouver is supposed to have really good curriculum. Some schools are great, but most of them I've been into are terrible where they don't, kids don't think I'm real or oh. I'm teaching something that is foreign because, you know, they see that Indigenous people are only one way. <laughs> Can know? I ask how old the kid was that asked that? On uh, grade four. Jesus. So already they would have had Indigenous yeah. studies or supposed to have something, had Indigenous yeah. studies. Yeah. yeah. Jesus. Um, you know, when I first started teaching in Alberta, I had students ask if I still danced around a fire. So mm-hmm. this would have been 2005-ish. I so that was the general experience. Was that Me everyone thought you that indigenous people were still alive? <laughs> oh my god! And so then I moved to Manitoba. Well done, Canada. Well done. <laughs> and it was amazing. I have nice. to say, I was. You like, moved where? Um, in Manitoba. Yeah. So the they had Aboriginal success people in every school, even mm. if there was indigenous students. I made a lot of connections. Teachers I really respect out there doing yeah. really great things with curriculum. Fantastic. You know, grade twos knew about residential school out yeah. there. Like it was just so amazing. You could have real conversations yeah. with students and it was not a you know, it was not a novelty to have an indigenous person come yeah. into their class. Like it was we got to have fun do fun things with the hoops and mm-hmm. like do all the things. Come back to Calgary and again the questions are like, do you still live in a teepee? And this would have been 2011 or 2012. So it's like, so not even with the current stupid government, but some other stupid government. So then that was that. And back (laughs) at the beginning teaching. And then down came the changes where indigenous teaching was indigenization of the curriculum is mandatory. So this happened the last two years. Mm -hmm. So then I saw that a lot of teachers who were struggling with the material could now feel like they had the permission to dive deep into it. Mm-hmm. Amazing discussions in some classrooms. Yeah. Some teachers don't see why they need to engage with the material. And those are the students that come in and they still put their hands over their mouth and put the fingers above their heads. and like. No, they don't. Like in 2020. Yeah. They're still doing that. And they're the teachers that don't want to engage with the material they don't understand why it's important yeah or like this isn't important to us we need to learn our math we need to do this 
we don't need to learn anything about you people because you need to just assimilate and become normal people in the society. So you get those ideas from the teachers who are then teaching the students. So the problem with the lack of education and awareness is the teachers, not the students. And I try my best to teach them. You know, in, in schools, mm -hmm. I do special sessions with Indigenous students if they want to. Yeah. And I'll always have some kids come, why do they get extra time with you? Why do they get extra hoop dance time and I don't? You know, because often they're the troubled students or like they're having mm -hmm. issues and the class is racist. So they're not, you know, like, yeah. and I have to tell those little non-Indigenous kids, I have to say, well, this is their culture. This is their right. Mm -hmm. And they, they still can't understand because yeah. the teachers don't understand. Yeah. You know, I have still now when I do things like that, there's certain teachers that will say, well, extra hoop dance class is a privilege and you didn't behave, so you're not going to today. And that happened when I was working in the schools before mm -hmm. where kids wouldn't be allowed to go to native lunch because they were late or they did something in the classroom or they acted out and mm -hmm. they, the teachers would march them in and say, this is a privilege, not your right to have native lunch or native culture at lunch. So you're not going to come today. See all your friends. Now you're going to the office. So schools and teachers like that are effectively still separating indigenous children from their culture which is their right not a privilege i don't care what they did they need to be in that classroom with yeah. me for that hour of lunchtime yeah. where they can be themselves or they have their drummer teacher come in mm -hmm. or they're learning their culture even if it's not their own culture but mm -hmm. they're still accessing some sort of indigeneity that makes them proud yeah so it's like until all those teachers can go and be retired mm -hmm. or not <laughs> be teachers anymore. Yeah. Or at least pretend that they're teaching. Yeah, or at least try to engage in indigenous God knowledge. Damn it. It's just like, that's the problem. Because yeah. then those kids are gonna grow up and those are the kids I see in high school that are calling me slurs, mm -hmm. that are just like terrible. I actually walked out of this school on my third day there and said, I'm not, I'm not going to come back and teach tomorrow. Which school? Oh, we but shouldn't say it. We shouldn't say it. Sorry. Because it was Sorry. so, that's what was happening. We just know it was a Calgary school. <laughs> so it's, but those are the ones that have been raised with these mm -hmm. teachers all the way through. Yeah. You know, it's, and we think it's better, but it's not because that's what I see. I see the different side of the kids that they don't mm -hmm. show to their teachers. Yeah. They feel free to just, I'm a substitute essentially mm -hmm. so they can do whatever they want yeah. and they're usually they don't get in trouble yeah i had kids make fun of residential school in class and mm -hmm. so it was just like like make fun of it like how like laughing about it making fun of people having numbers instead of names oh and like, jesus christ and i was just like okay i'm done i'm done but then there's the really good teachers that have mm -hmm. completely indigenized their content as non-indigenous teachers mm -hmm. and they really understand the value of different worldviews yeah. and their and their students know that their ancestors came from a different country yeah whereas some of them are like no we're just canadians yeah i'm like <laughs> it's a problem it so is a problem it's you know i've seen schools all over mm -hmm. and Aside from, I don't know if Manitoba is the same or not. It's been a while, but mm. it hasn't changed since 2005 really yeah. that much. Well, I wouldn't doubt it here in Alberta. Yeah. We've had the same shit bricks in charge mostly for yeah. the last 15 years. And now that indigenization isn't mandatory, now they don't have to feel pressured to do that anymore. So yeah. now I'm going to be going back into the schools and still experiencing that same. Yeah. 
because now it's not going to be like the flavor of the month kind yeah. of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is, and, and like I understand where some people are coming. Not, I don't understand. I guess I can see where they're coming from when they, when they think it's got to be a temporary thing and then eventually we're just going to move on and forget about it. But what they're not, what they're forgetting about is this has been going on since fucking white people have been here. Yeah. This isn't something that just started yesterday or a year ago or even a hundred years ago. Yeah. Right. There is so much intergenerational trauma on both sides of that fence. Right. Mm -hmm. From the, from the people who were abusing to the people who were abused. Yeah. That trauma goes somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I think what, what you're talking, what you're talking about seems like that's what we're seeing yeah. is that, that systemic and intergenerational racism. Mm -hmm. right come out in people who think who say things in kids because kids you, they're not guilty they're they're taught they're shown they're yeah. they're guided they're pushed even in some cases but for a kid to say i thought all of you were dead <laughs> that's not a, a random thing no it's so not a random thing yeah. or the racial slurs that i get sometimes yeah are not random yeah and it's and it's shocking when you hear them from a grade two and i'm just mm. like oh my god yeah. You know, it's not my position to deal with this. Yeah. You know, so then I talk to the teachers and then the teacher, and then it's just like, I'm more frustrated with the teachers most mm -hmm. of the time. I bet. And the parents. I bet. Who are refusing to, because then it harms other children in those mm -hmm. classes that I see. And then sometimes it does end up harming me because sometimes mm -hmm. I can't teach there anymore. So yeah. it's like, it's too well, much. It right? harms you when you have to hear that stuff. Yeah. So um, it's like, I just think to, that. But there's some really great schools in Calgary mm -hmm. that I love teaching at that I've been at yeah. for years. <laughs> and I think yeah. that's the that's the truth. Probably are there some really good places to go, and then some places that are just stuck so far behind other places. Mm -hmm. But I think it's one of those things where, when I'm thinking about how white people respond to me when we're talking about these issues and how flippant and quick they are to defend themselves and defend everybody else who's white and everybody who's been white and. Oh, but that wasn't us. That was long ago. And we're just better now. And okay, seriously, shut the fuck up. Because it's not true, right? And it's just gone into this really weird place where now parents who, who defend themselves so quickly against being racist, they're never going to teach their kids anything different because they don't think there's anything different they need to teach their kids. Exactly. Right? And I think that's so much part of the problem is that the kids can't, they don't have a chance to learn something different because yeah. parents have already put it in their heads. Yeah. These people are going to take from you. These people are going to take what's yours. I remember reading somewhere that it starts at somewhere like age two. Mm -hmm. There was a study done. Yeah. I can't remember. It was on Facebook. I read yeah. it. It was like so young. Yeah, I think between so like two and... By the and... time they're in, in grade mm -hmm. one, they're already entrenched. Yeah. And you have to work so hard. Yeah so hard because by two to that i think it was theory of mind that kids have between like a year of two and five or something like yeah. that. yeah and they call it theory of mind versus theirs where they can start identifying themselves separately yeah and i think that would be a really good time if a church is going to indoctrinate kids or if parents well, who are racist do. exactly that's exactly <laughs> what happens right <laughs> sunday school yeah so like I, I was telling you earlier like i don't i don't identify with being a christian anymore and I still, okay, I don't believe in hell. Like, I don't. I don't believe it's true. I don't believe it's real. I don't believe heaven's real. I don't fucking believe it, okay? I believe it's made up to scare little kids into doing the right thing, mm -hmm. right? Um, not to mention the priests who weren't scared into doing the right thing. We're not going to talk about those guys, though. But uh, the truth is, um, I, I just think nothing's going to change so long as people keep resisting the fact we need to change, Yeah. right? Like, 
And it's so funny. It's just such a simple thing that like my fellow white people, we could do this. We could shut the fuck up. <laughs> we could just get out of the way and say, hey, like we don't even know how badly we've done because we don't. I think there's some really good, so like Vancouver, mm -hmm. they, for one, when I was listening to them about their restructuring and stuff like that, mm. for their arts granting program, they only had Indigenous people on the panel. Good. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. Mm -hmm. Because the whole influx of applications changed. Mm -hmm. You know, if there was not that many Indigenous people on the yeah. panel, they probably would have been submitting the same stuff. Yeah. So there's something about that power shift that happens. And I remember reading somewhere that some people are scared of power changes because they think they'll be treated how they treated other people mm -hmm. when it's not true. Like yeah. <laughs> most, most, most people who've been mistreated and oppressed, I'm not going to say mistreated and, and oppressed because you know what? The, the kid wasn't wrong. Canada did try to kill every indigenous person in mm -hmm. this country. There's no question yes. about it. And if Canada could have done it successfully, they would have been happy. Mm -hmm. right oh they would have been really yeah, happy which is part of our history people don't like yeah and i think i think almost as much as like attack it like going after the church when you go after a country you get all that nationalist pride bullshit <laughs> right because we know it's bullshit come on you can't really want to defend this you can't want to defend yeah. like people who really wanted to kill a whole group of people you can't defend it and i yeah. think that's why people try so hard to defend it is because it's like and not believe it and not believe it if they believed it then they'd have to do something about it yeah yeah and that's why no, nothing's been done yeah oh, god damn i remember seeing a post about land back and how it doesn't mean physical land back mm -hmm. but i was like i want land back yeah land back means land back yeah it's not it is a spiritual thing but it is also literally having some, land back. some land back yeah. <laughs> I, I always tell elijah if there's some farmer out there that wants mm. to give land back we'll sign me up because mm. we'll live on a farm we'll we'll go out there and do the work yep. that we want to do just give us the land back <laughs> I, you know what when i see that i think both i think it's spiritual landscape but also like physical landscape and physical why the shit shouldn't we give it back is land base equals power and they don't want us to have power exactly my reserve is buying land back are they yeah, Good. buying non-reserved land back yeah. that they can then own and use as collateral and loans and stuff. Excellent. So I think it's a really good idea. But then you have stuff good where people won't don't. So the le huge lease land leases that are happening in yeah. southern Alberta and they don't want to give the land back. So then the reserve is still fractured and like, mm -hmm. you know. I hear a lot of the stuff from Elijah because he's yeah. from the Blood Reserve. So oh, is he? Okay. He's, you know, reading about the yeah land disputes and like things like mm -hmm. that and... Well, if Elijah ever wants to come on the podcast, I'd be happy to have him. Yes, I mean you it. should have him. Yeah, I mean <laughs> it. I'd be happy to. I, I think I, I always I want more of this, right? Like, because I yeah. know that I know nothing, and I need more. Like, I, I, I want to. I mean, there's nothing more I need to learn that's going to change my opinion. I can tell you that. But the the reality is, I, I'm just so fucking ignorant, Jessica. Like, uh, of like we were never told this stuff. No, we weren't because I was yeah. raised in a white family. Yeah. I didn't know any of this yeah. <laughs> until I was older. Yeah. Like, I was just like, oh, you know. What I was did you given think? A book. What, were you, what did you learn about Indigenous people as oh, you Oh, residential were school is a good thing. Really? I was given a book called Sammy Goes to School. And oh, Sammy God. went to residential school. <clears throat> and Sammy got to speak Ojibwe. And Sammy got to go pick berries with his teacher. And he had lots of friends and he got to eat moose meat and make moccasins and he had a really good time. 
So that's what I learned about residential school until I was in grade 11 or 12. What's the name of the book? Sammy Goes to School, I can think. You look that up. You mind? Just real quick. <laughs> if you can find it, I Whoa. would be like, because it was just like, oh, okay, residential school is a good thing. And that's what I learned. Yeah. The first time I heard the N-word was from my grandmother. She was talking about the only black person in her town mm-hmm. and that she was too good for wearing a fur coat. So it was like, I was raised in that. Yeah. You know, Indians are dirty. Look at how they keep their reserves. Mm-hmm. You know, I we drive through reserves. They would talk about how dirty it was. There was mm-hmm. garbage. Look at their playground and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And then want to use my status card for Indian gas. So it was like this, mm-hmm. this worldview. Yeah. You know, aside from the paganism and all the other things that I was dealing yeah. with. When I started dancing pow and I started getting to know people, it really undid a lot. And maybe the mm-hmm. smudging helps, smudging every class, mm-hmm. once I wasn't scared of it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, I it started, got in there anyway. <laughs> and then I started <laughs> to understand because mm-hmm. people there, you know, I'd start learning about things that weren't taught to me. So residential school, I learned about it. And mm-hmm. I was like, what? Did you find the book? Did you find it? <laughs> it's on Amazon, but it's currently unavailable. Yeah, I bet it it's is. unavailable for five <laughs> cents. Yeah, just make you have a print print. yeah, we should. We should. It looks like an old book. Yeah, I would like to get a copy of that because I threw mine out. Yeah, I, I have an idea. But anyways, yeah. So. <laughs> well, I'm sure, you, like being artistic and creative, I bet you got a really yeah. good idea for that. So then yeah. I started learning about residential school through anecdotes and like people, mm. you know, yeah. connecting with other Indigenous people, understanding what the church did. So I did like a complete 180. Mm-hmm to absolutely hating all white people yeah i became i almost was like into aim which is not a good organization mm-hmm. i don't think in itself but so i think it serves a purpose yeah but yeah. there's the, the way they treat women and the whole thing with yeah yeah so yeah so i was like yeah and then my birth mom sent me a letter saying don't get involved with aim that mm-hmm. was my mistake so then yeah. i started to like they started to even out yeah. after a while and like sort of see both i was no longer like mm-hmm witnessing christian person to like native anti everything mm. <laughs> to like somebody somebody in the middle mm. you know more world experience more getting out from cultural abuse really helps because that was yeah. sort of like ramping me up to mm-hmm. not be more like that so um, when i said aim was like like i appreciate i appreciate aim being yeah. what aim is yeah. not that it's a great organization yeah. Yeah. but i appreciate having to start an organization like that yeah when you've been fucking abused for so long it was needed right like there was so much yeah so much so then so once i started understanding more about these things i had a social studies teacher who told me that i belonged in a residential school and that residential schools should come back and that I was pretty much good for nothing and that he wished that mm. he could teach in a residential school because his parents taught in a residential school. So oh, good God. Yeah, Darcy, I, exactly what's going on in my head. When I researched <laughs> that and I found out, it was just like, I lost it. Yeah. But I had to finish Social Studies 20. Mm. Like, it's in French. I have to do Damn it. it, right? Damn it. So I got through that. And then in grade 12, I had social studies with the really awesome teacher. And I did a whole presentation on the Indian Act in French. And he was very supportive of everything. So it was, you know, it was very, I think at that point, I understood what it was. Mm -hmm. But I didn't understand about the extent until much later about how terrible it was. Mm -hmm. And like, I could have gone to residential school if I wasn't adopted out. So it was like all these things. 
So that book, did they did they give you that book? Can you fire me the link to that book? Actually, sure. just send it to me because I want to po- I'm going to post something about it later. But um, so when they gave you that book, did they give that to all little little indigenous kids? No, to my like, parents gave me that book. Your, wait, your parents gave you that yeah. book? Yeah. So Jesus, <laughs> I think. You know, I got books about adoption. I thought it came from school or something. But no, it was my parents. So yeah. at, a, at some point, I was they were trying to get me more involved with culture and things. Mm. I think they realized it was important because I was skipping a lot of school and mm-hmm. stuff and, you know, stuff. So yeah. I um, so that's when I started going to dance classes. And, I got you. You know, the first Native person that I met was down at Cups. Mm-hmm. And so when I was skipping school, I was riding my bike down to cups to hang out with native people yeah who you know artists and mm-hmm. whoever and cups used to be right on seventh yeah so i was yeah. there yeah <laughs> you know Me too. i forget i get a, <laughs> a free coffee or whatever yeah. and <laughs> hang out with these old indian guys and mm-hmm. you know they i think they told me a lot too about stuff and because a family friend was involved with cups in the street outreach when mm-hmm. i was younger i wasn't afraid of it right yeah so ray was just an amazing soul he spent his last few years with us when i was in high school and his whole job was to just go out and visit mm-hmm. he'd buy coffee and sandwiches and just visit with people on the street and so that was a huge part of how i knew how to relate yeah. to people on the street and so i was like well if he can do it i can do it you know i'm just a it's white good girl teacher. <laughs> like, it's good teacher. so and that's what i did you yeah. know hung out with those people and I met a traveling flute player and, mm-hmm. you know, it was just so interesting. Yeah. You know, now I realize probably wasn't the safest place for well, skinny little Indian me as a kid, but it not. served its purpose. Yeah. And I, it showed more about the injustices. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know the 60s scoop was a thing until way later. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm part of this. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, reading the books by Rick, Richard Wagamese, mm-hmm. it, it sort of painted... A more idealistic picture i think of some things but i think my parents gave those to me to show that there is a positive way of getting out of adoption but in reality it made me feel more distant Mm -hmm. from my own culture you know yeah instead of them thinking that it would push me more towards Mm -hmm. them maybe I love his books. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So they were obviously instrumental in helping you grow through stuff. Yeah, a quality of light Mm. um, pushed me more away from the church than towards it again. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Keeper and Me is my absolute favorite book. Okay. That was like my guiding book for like everything's going to be okay. Right on. You know, his family accepted him. Yeah. The same thing happened to me. Mm. So it was. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was going to be okay. And there needs to be more stories like that, right? Yeah. And more more um, shared stories about 60 Scoop, about residential schools. Because I guarantee a lot of things people don't know that the last school closed in 96. Yeah. I guarantee And it. schools were still run by their own communities, mm. even past that point. Oh, were they? So they weren't residential schools, but yeah. they still ran in that same system. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. until pretty recent. <sighs> but and we I- don't know, like, because they weren't residential schools. So we're, we haven't heard yet about what's happened to them. Yeah, what's happened to them. Yeah. Yeah. But once those kids start growing up, we'll find out. Yeah. We'll find out. Hopefully they. Hopefully it's for the better. Like yeah. hopefully, hopefully they stop doing all the, the horrible shit, mm-hmm. you know. But that, I mean, even the horrible shit that we know about, not that long ago. No, it wasn't. You know, my grandpa worked in a residential school. Did he? My adopted grandpa. He yeah. was, he's a tech. He's a, so he's a mechanic person. Mm-hmm. 
So he would go in and help with their boilers and their ovens. And he was well-respected all in southern Alberta and B.C. Mm -hmm. And so he would go into the residential schools to fix the things that needed to be fixed. Yeah. It's just, you know, I just can't believe it. How did he, did he ever talk about it or? No, no he only told us this when he was on his happy pills. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair right? enough. And he's like, oh, I yeah. went to one of those schools. I knew something wasn't up, but you know, I yeah. just fixed their whatever and I left. And they went back, you know, on the blood reserve. Yeah. You know, and oh, my grandma didn't believe residential schools existed, yeah. even though her husband worked in one. Wow. And she thought that people were making it up. And even though she had a book and everything that said, hey, yeah. kids love residential school. We're like, oh, yeah. get to go to residential It was just like so. Man. Yeah. That is like, that. I think what you're talking about honestly speaks to the core of racism being still a thing, right? Is that yeah. people just won't be challenged. They don't yeah. want their, their view being challenged. And even if they're... Imperialistic view, view. Yeah. You know, my grandma, we got into an argument about immigrants. Hmm. And the states, because they're snowbirds. You know, they yep. go down south and they come back. Oh, okay. And it's just like, you guys. Oh, I can only imagine what they say <laughs> coming back from the states. It's just like, oh. Yeah. But my last ever phone call with her was about Trump. Oh. And I just like, that was the end. I was like, I cannot do this. Mm-hmm. I cannot be in the same room with you. I cannot even answer your email. Yeah. Like, I will ask. Oh, sorry, we're busy. But yeah. it's just like, yeah. I can't. I can't. You can't get it into that It just gets me so space. angry. Yeah. <laughs> it's so angry. No doubt. You know, half my parents' friends are like that. Mm-hmm. I just can't. Like. Yeah. No doubt. So is there anything else you want to talk about, Jessica? Oh, I could go on forever, but yeah. no. <laughs> well, I mean, seriously, what do you have any plans in terms of like your music in the upcoming months or um, anything? Well, I'm composing a piece called Stories of My People. Yeah. It's supported by Calgary Arts Development. Cool. Um. So... I have to acknowledge that. Right on. Well, and I'm glad you did. I was because I'm going to ask you a question yeah. about it when you're done. They're for flute and piano. Okay. And so my friend Beverly is, she's doing a concert series. Actually, tomorrow her piece she composes about Alberta's wild provincial oh, flower. Cool. So she's doing a series of 13 pieces for piano mm-hmm. that are based on the flowers of each province. So mm-hmm. tomorrow is the rose, and I forget the other. But her pieces are great. I have cool. one of her pieces is on my CD. Oh, right on. Um, Lady Slipper. Yeah. It's, it's really sad and beautiful. But awesome. So, so those three pieces I have to finish soon because my grant has been a while. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you get them finished, soon. if you get them finished, would you be interested in doing like a live show here with your music? Um, I can't because I play flute. Oh, yeah. you can't play flute on there? No, I can't play flute in public really unless it's outside and people are really really distant um and i don't feel comfortable because i know my flute has big air oh you're Um, thinking of the spit then uh air so the provincial government said no wind instruments unless they're outside no singing pretty much ever so it's the covid guidelines so i won't be able to so we're fucked up okay (laughs) we done fucked up we did we did a concert in august (laughs) yeah there was no there was no people in the audience just us and we went live yeah, but I think we, if it's if you're in a cohort or something. Yeah. It's the thing too with our company, we're really struggling at at how to start teaching and mm-hmm. because I know that a lot of people aren't comfortable. New research has shown that if you're exercising in a room, your air actually goes sixteen feet instead yeah. of six feet. So then you have like people doing hip dance in a room, it's not gonna <laughs> Yeah. So it's just like all these considerations. Well, our idea to go live would have been like live on like streaming things. And yeah. stream it out there with just like 
two people in the audience, right? Yeah. Like, so what yeah. we're thinking of doing is she'll record at yeah. home and then I'll record at home and we'll video edit them together. Oh, okay, cool. As like a video cool. that can be released live. That'd so be awesome. Have... Well, once you get that done, please, we'll share the heck out of it. Yeah. So there's three yeah. pieces. Um, one is called Along the River, which mm -hmm. used to be called Need to Get, but it didn't suit the written piece. So as a as a chart that I play for things, it'll still stay as neat to get, but the mm -hmm. written piece is different. So it's called Along the River. And then the other piece is called Liquid Prairie, which is based on a poem by Marilyn Jumal, who's this oh, okay. really awesome Métis poet. And I haven't asked her about it yet, but I will. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if not, I'll change the title, but the poem really inspired the music. Yeah. And then the other one is called Winter Sorrows and Summer Flowers, okay. which was originally called Residential School and Summer Break. But I feel that the title is too loaded mm. for me to handle. So I changed it to Winter Sorrows yeah. being sent to away and mm. then Summer Flowers being a little bit more lighter. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That's that's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool way to wrap that up. Yeah. There. So there's three in that. Um, other than that, it's supposed to be dancing soon. So Cool. Well, I hope you get to. <laughs> I will get to. I just... Right on. Keep us, keep us posted on, months. oh, has it been a while, eh? Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. And that and hoop dancing, it takes a lot out of you. Yeah. Like, it, I mean, honestly, I still, I can still see her in the gym downstairs just dancing away. And I'm just like, I was, I had my phone because I was recording it for Heather. And then I was like, amazing. Like, I just <laughs> couldn't take my eyes off you, right? It's weird. But it's, it, I mean, so talking about that is one thing. So talking about the, the ceremony and all the, the beautiful stuff, right? But one of the things I've noticed in the community is that people are okay with that, with the beautiful stuff, but not with the stuff that is important for other stuff that's important, like the trauma, like dealing mm. with the with Indigenous people who've been abused and have never gotten help, but they're coming out for help and people are shunning them. Oh, yes. Right? Because it's not, you're not well enough for us to have interaction with and to me, that blows my mind. Like, I'm just like, what is happening? You, we can't just accept the fact that, yeah, there's this beauty. But we're not going to look at this. We're not <laughs> going to pay attention to this over here. And if you're too angry, get the fuck out of here. Right? And, and I'm saying, like, to people, like, you don't understand. How could they not be angry? How could that person not be angry? Like yeah. a residential school survivor. How could he not be angry? Especially if he hasn't had a chance to grieve or yeah. process or anything or express or express or yeah. even have the confidence or the ability to say it's okay to express that yeah because when, a lot of things are just like you're not to feel just laugh it off yeah like it's 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 can be very toxic and not helpful at all i think one of the things that i've i like to talk about is cultural abuse mm. because people don't talk about it and I'm always like super adamant about things like this because there's so much harm that can be done within the indigenous community. And it's mm -hmm. not for the non-indigenous community to look in and say this or like you're doing that yeah. or this is that. But as somebody who was coming into indigenous culture, I was very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And so I would, I was so thirsty. And so I would believe everything that was told to me about cultural things mm -hmm. like you always have to keep your eyes down in front of an elder. Mm. <laughs> now I'm like, yeah. I'm like, what? Or you always have to be 10 feet behind, or I have to stay 50 feet away from a sweat because I'm a woman or like all these things mm. 
I just sucked it up. Yeah. And I was put in a position where I probably, when I was younger, said some very not healthy things because mm -hmm. of the cultural abuse that I was in. Yeah. A friend of mine calls it the velvet glove, where you have somebody who is returning to the culture and that per the, the person who is engaging the cultural abuse can take their velvet glove and slowly guide them in whatever direction they want. Mm. And that happened to me. And mm. so that it, it got me so worn down to a point where I didn't trust anybody within culture yeah. because I didn't believe that what anybody could say could be true. Yes. And so when I left and I was getting out from under this way of seeing the world, which mm -hmm. is a very toxic way of seeing the world and got me into some really bad situations that I, I met an elder in Manitoba and he said to me that our culture is, is colonized. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I was encountering the word for the first time. I'm like, okay. He said, there's things that don't make sense. And if those things don't make sense, no matter how hard you think about them and try to rationalize them, then they're probably not from our culture mm -hmm. because our culture is made to make sense. Yeah. And so like we weren't complicated, stupid people is pretty much what he said. Like yeah. if it doesn't make sense, then you should leave it. And it's yeah. not part of our culture. And one of the things that he talked about was homophobia and culture. Mm. And he said, that is doesn't make sense because we honored everybody and yeah. you see a lot of that in the community is indigenous people homophobic and transphobic mm -hmm. as much as we like to say this the yeah. reality of being a queer indigenous person in the community is that you are being discriminated against by your own people mm -hmm. they're talking behind your back they're making fun of you they're sharing stories about you that are not yours to share mm -hmm. it's very much not not part of it, but they'll just laugh and say, it's part of our culture, just laugh it off. Mm. But again, that doesn't address the things that are happening yeah. as undercurrents in the community. Mm. And I really take what he said to heart because I've been in some situations where I didn't believe what was going on was good for me. Mm. And you can, and the other thing he said is always question, which I like. Yeah, it's a good statement. <laughs> you know, like yeah. if you're in ceremony and you're questioning it and it doesn't feel right to you, then get out. Mm -hmm. Creator's not going to smite you with a lightning bolt if you leave that ceremony. Whereas yeah. in cultural abuse, it's like if you don't listen to the elder, but something bad is going to happen to you. Yeah. You're going to be cursed or, you know, like, mm -hmm. <laughs> like that doesn't, that's not how it works. Yeah, that sounds absurd. Creator and your relationship is yeah. with each other. And so... That does sound like a col colonialized culture yeah oh sorry and so go on. it's a lot of like self-reflection and going back into some of the original stories mm -hmm. and the older people in the community say well i'm not to question you and your relationship with creator if that's your dream then you should do it mm -hmm. so oh what was his name clarence wolfleg okay senior the the older one he had told us we had this vision of this art piece <laughs> and we were being told we couldn't do it by younger elders yeah. that it was blasphemous and he said well if that's your vision from creator then you have to go forward with it mm. that's our way yeah. and so you have this colonized view of control yeah. and you have this older way of looking at our culture and our beliefs and everything and being strong enough to question that with mm -hmm. yourself because i feel that when somebody and I'm I'm guilty of this too when I first came into the culture and the teachings and everything mm -hmm. is that you're so desperate to hold on to it mm -hmm. that you squeeze it yeah. so tight.
yeah. instead of allowing it to grow and flourish yeah. because you're that's your life raft. It and becomes that, there's more like a dogma to grab onto, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's not it's it's nothing wrong with that because yeah. that's a journey and experience. Yeah. But to be able to talk about it because there's so much shame that can go on. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard people say, Oh, the you know, you can't enter the ceremony because my ribbon skirt goes to here. I'm thinking we didn't wear ribbon skirts back in the day. Mm-hmm. You know, I, they're really important right now. And I understand that and I respect that. But there's two-spirit people that won't wear a ribbon skirt. Yeah. Or you go into other ceremonies where everybody wears a skirt. doesn't matter what gender mm-hmm. you are. Yeah. You're wearing that skirt to yeah. be in there. So I think there's a lot of abuse that can happen mm-hmm. and a lot of shame. And it actually pushes people away. And yeah. that's that cultural abuse. Yeah. Right. And there's so many good scholars out there that are talking about Mm -hmm. it and you can read about it. And I really respect them because they're opening it up and decolonizing the structures because we've had 150 years of residential school Mm -hmm. and all these things, church indoctrination. Yeah. And it's really affecting us in a negative way. Of course. But then you get ostracized for saying things like that Mm -hmm. and you get shit on. So. I think at this point, me and Elijah don't really care. Yeah. We're just going to live our truth and do as we say in a good way. And Yeah. And if you get shit on, you get shit on. Yeah. The truth of the matter is, like I tell people, <laughs> like if you're not getting shit on, you're not doing anything. Yeah. Because, I mean, in this day and age, people, if, they, if nobody is thinking that you're doing something crazy, well, yeah. you're not going hard enough. Yeah. Like you're not going far enough with that thing, right? Yeah. And we've seen that, like with our class enrollment. So we run a dance class where mm. it's two-spirit it's completely open. So often we'll have LGBT and trans individuals coming in to dance. Mm-hmm. And we've seen our attendance drop from when we, were, we weren't two-spirit focused to like only having the few two-spirit people who feel safe to come out and dance mm-hmm. with us, dance with us, and the rest of the community not coming because they're uncomfortable yeah. with me teaching men's grass or they're uncomfortable mm-hmm. with seeing somebody dance the style they want which could be jingle or whatever yeah. and we're not judging them we're not saying creator said no or creator gave this to this person mm. we're saying no you can do what you want if it feels right yeah. and then that gives us a lot of grief in the community <laughs> yeah i bet it does because being yeah. open like that's always going to get you attention yeah right like letting anybody do stuff yeah always going to get you attention yeah. Yeah. And like, I've been doing this for years. Yeah. There's a reason why I'm not allowed back at Pretoria School to teach. Yeah. It's because I taught grass and my friend taught jingle and they didn't like seeing him teach jingle and me teach grass. Really? That was the beginning of the end in like wow. 2006 or something. Good thing you were able to move on from there. <laughs> so right? it's always been yeah. there. I, I like what you said and I think we got to close. What t- how much, what are we at for time? almost two hours i love it i'm excited um i can't now i can't remember oh yeah what whatever that elder said in terms of stone yeah keeping it simple keeping it like if it's if it makes sense it's probably creator it's funny because there's a saying in one of the 12-step groups i go to as well that says basically the same thing it says if it's not if it's not practical it's not spiritual it's it's very simple Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I use it all the time to direct young people and new people with with different things. It is because the questions about God are constant and crazy. Yeah. And we're all we have so many confused ideas. And and it's funny because when it's really confusing, that's what I say. Yeah, I say if it's not practical, yeah. it's not God because God's not a fairy. OK, God, the creator is creator. Yeah. Creator doesn't need to mess around. Like so if it's not. I think the simplest language is creator's language, yeah. right? Like the, 
the complicated language is ours. Yeah. And because it's complicated because we have this um, theory of mine versus yours, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, once we can get past that, uh, sorry, I just, I was listening and I'm thinking, oh my God, like it's just so true. No matter yeah. what culture we're talking about, if you can keep it simple, you're probably going to connect a creator there, right? The yeah. simplicity. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful shit. Yeah. I'm very lucky in my life. Mm. I think you've got more than luck. You've <laughs> obviously got like resilience and tough as shit, right? Like tough as nails. Yeah. You gotta be. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we wrap it up? No. Anything, anything you want to say to someone who maybe, um, maybe they need to come out to, to their parents. Maybe they need to um, go back to their culture. Is there anything that you could tell somebody that might've worked for you? To help you. Well, for me, coming out was the best thing that I ever did. Mm. After that, everything, my music, art, everything, I was no longer holding myself back mm -hmm. because I had no shame because yeah. I was involved in Indigenous communities. Yeah. You know, I was involved with elders who supported LGBT couples. And I think that's where Carl Stone really came in because mm -hmm. he really supported. He was like one of the few elders that wasn't homophobic yeah. or gay shaming or whatever. Yeah. You know, and I had a good community around me. But it can also be very, very difficult because mm -hmm. I know that there's times where I didn't want to live because mm -hmm. of it, because that shame is so deep, especially when you're in the church. But there's a community out there mm -hmm. and your family doesn't have to be your family. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can choose anybody to be your family. Yeah. By blood or adoption, it doesn't make mm -hmm. you, it doesn't mean that you owe them anything mm -hmm. if they can't love you and support you to the full amount that you deserve. Yeah because they can just make your life worse yeah. and there's nothing wrong with letting that go mm. it's been a long journey but it's there's nothing wrong with letting that go mm. because if i'd kept that i probably wouldn't be here today mm. <laughs> um and if when you're going back into the culture if it seems wrong it's probably wrong yeah <laughs> like okay. trust your gut yeah if you're not in a safe space you know i've had elders tell me the craziest things that have mm. made me feel very gross inside yeah and it was not a good place. Yeah. You can leave. You can always leave. Thank you for tuning in this week to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Please stay tuned every Wednesday as we air another episode. Thank you for your time. And please, if you're in trouble, reach out. If you need to contact us at www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca or you can look for us on Facebook under Freedom's Path Recovery Society. Thank you again for tuning in. Please stay tuned for upcoming groups, activities, and podcasts.